0: This is the latest episode of Today Maybe Forever, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Michi Miko. How you doing, bro? I'm fine, how are you? I'm glad to have some time with you. I'm feeling good, feeling great. Um, one of the things I always think about with you, and when I think about your work and hearing you talk about your work, okay. is this investigation or confrontation of, of fear
1: yeah in a way In yeah some ways in some
0: ways way. so fear maybe of 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 drowning yeah Uh fear maybe of of getting shot yeah. possibly um and when i think about those moments in your work i think you, you mentioned i've heard you mention um there's a moment where you thought you might have that, that you might be drowning yeah, yeah um was a there was a, a moment on two occasions where You've had conversations with law enforcement, um yeah, lots of those. and and your life may be in danger. Yeah. How do you navigate fear? how do How do you how do you process that?
1: Well, it, it's not necessarily a fear, right? Like, uh-huh. like oh, I'm scared to live my life, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's more so that you know, like, especially with like if, if we're talking about cops and law enforcement, yeah. You know, like, how that could play out. So you know that moment where you, um, when the cop gets behind you and the lights come on? Mm-hmm. Like, that moment? It's the kind of moment that I'm going for, like, with the work. Yeah. It, it's, it's not necessarily a fear, but then it, it becomes like, now how do I survive this encounter? Mm-hmm. So it becomes more about processing, like, that survival of that encounter but but then the thing with the drowning that was a thing that just happened like like a fluke thing but you're in that process and then it's like how do you survive this situation now so a lot of a lot of the work the initial fear part is is is, is, is it just comes with the situation I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then it's like now that you're in this situation, how do you, like, come out of it alive, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So, there's a notion of processing survival and, like, how do you work your way through that?
1: Yeah.
0: Hearing some of your stories made me think about moments where... Well, the difference between fear and danger. So, yeah, I remember having someone... I, w- I was at a party, and I, I remember being maybe 20 feet from a moment where someone pulled out a pistol on someone else. Mm-hmm. Not at me, but just like I'm watching it in a play. It's almost like this is happening right in front of me. And
1: they go slow motion.
0: it was slow motion, but I wasn't, I wasn't afraid, but I knew this is, this is danger. Danger is present. Yeah. How do I process getting out of this moment? Because you never, people start running people or whatever. Um, but i felt like within that moment i had some sort of either language or i had i knew how to get out of that yeah a lot easier than those moments of like law enforcement where you don't know where it might go yeah so sometimes you're prepared for or you can rely on certain things other other times maybe you're not prepared and so that investigation of how do i get out of this becomes in the moment, much more difficult.
1: Yeah, it, but but what's amazing, like when you said that, is like, is that how fast the brain can process survival, mm-hmm. and then that natural instinct to survive kicks in. Like you looked at the situation, and like in them split seconds, you have processed a lot, planned an escape route, kept your eye on the gun boom boom you, you've taken a lot of notes and then it's like fight or flight mm-hmm. like, so like it's, it's in those kind of moments is where I'm trying to make work is, is where I'm trying to make the map and that's why they become sort of like contradictions in a way that that they make sense but then it's various different maps that don't don't belong together so they they start to break down but there's still useful information there, like processing that survival of seeing that weapon come out, you being in a party, close quarters, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and then this being a very real thing. And so your brain goes And then you you got one choice and you hope it's the right one, you know what I mean? <laughs> like
0: Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um and so in in those moments where I think in, in in your work you're able to take some of those those brief moments and then expand them into yeah. these longer investigations, um, how have you begun to develop your own language of that? In in terms of how you how you speak to that, how do you speak to yourself? How do you process those things to be able to then communicate that?
1: Well, it's it's, it's going through processes like this. Okay like talking to you or doing the artist talks and, and actually hearing myself say these things out loud. in one way to, to gauge, to see if the language makes sense to the observer and then to also get that language out of my head, the way that I sort of process it internally. So I don't, I don't know if I have the proper language to, to like describe it or, or, or if it's right even, you know what I mean? But it's I think it's the repetition of of practice of going through this process of you asking like challenging questions or questions or things that I've never thought about, like the fear part. So now I have to process this and then speak verbally about it. So I I think that's an ongoing process of, of learning about like these situations or learning about this process I'm trying to go through and then Translate those thoughts Into something very visual And something that people Can understand or digest so I think that it's an ongoing process
0: Yeah um, What are you listening to right now? Oh wow top, Musically top, yeah. top,
1: top, top on the list Is Nipsey Hussle And then Followed by um, Alice Coltrane And then uh, Jimi Hendrix, like those are my three right now. And I think there's a connection between Coltrane, Alice Coltrane and Jimi Hendrix, but I just don't know where yet. But then looking at my studio practice overall, I'm thinking about it in terms of Nipsey Hussle. Um, In in one of his lyrics, he said he took the stairs. And I feel like that's kind of what I did with my art career. I did it the hard way. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of took the stairs. And now, in some ways, I'm seeing some success of getting to the top of the stairs. But, you know, like, but then also Nipsey talks about, like, ownership and being a, a, a street dude and being an entrepreneur and so I'm thinking about my, my studio practice and, and my studio business in terms of Nipsey right now. Like that, like the, the language that he has, the the way that he's a uh, um, the way that he's approached hip hop, the way that he's approached his narrative. I admire that. Like doing it yourself, taking the stairs, and having complete ownership of of your entity. I, I like that, and so I've, I've been thinking a lot about s- sort of my studio practice, like the business part of it, um, in terms of, of like Nipsey, and but but when we go inside the studio, I'm, I'm meditating a lot with um, Alice Coltrane and Jimi Hendrix.
0: Now, for those who, who who are listening, who don't know who Nipsey Hussle is, he's a current LA rapper mm-hmm. um, out of uh, Compton, mm-hmm. um, and he's had, I think, some very interesting moments around selling his work. Yeah, um, I think um, he he did what on the Crenshaw tape. Um, he he maybe did a hundred of those and maybe sold them for ten thousand a piece. I think it was a thousand A apiece. thousand apiece A okay. thousand piece. So he he, did, he made a hundred copies Sold them for a thousand apiece Yeah And Everyone from I think Jay Z bought some Maybe yeah. Oprah bought some People yeah. All the street hustlers uh, Right Yeah um, And what I think When I think about Nipsey And when I've heard him speak He is a very principled artist In terms of He's very vocal about what he stands for Exactly. About what he believes in and where his boundaries are. Exactly. Whether you agree or disagree, he's very adamant about that. Exactly. So in a similar way for you, have you have, have you come to maybe that similar state in terms of this is what I'm about, these are my values in this in the art world. Like this is how I'm walking my walk in this particular way.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that that part of it is is part of it is that that's how I relate to Nipsey's story. The idea of selling a, a mixtape for a thousand dollars, you get it early, but yeah, he's still going to give it away free. Like the value in that that sort of belief system in your product of what it is that you're doing, to me it's, it's pretty amazing. You can wait, get it for free, or you can spend a thousand, get it for get it early. And so sorta of, sorta of looking at that model right now, I'm I'm working on um I wanna do a a limited edition um silk screen. On a on a very beautiful paper, velvet paper that I have. I've ordered, and I'm, I'm working with my silkscreen person right now. But I want to do this special thing for 10 people. There's only going to be 10 of them, but you can only get them in Alabama, which is my home state. So there's going to be a certain amount of effort that goes into getting this work too. So, so it's it's, it's things like that when when I'm when I'm listening to Nip and I'm thinking about what Nip's doing it's like how can I relate some of these lessons to, to what it is that I'm trying to do away, or, or how I'm trying to grow this thing that's Michi um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck dude it, it, I, I just admired the, the, the ownership the, like the black entrepreneurial spirit of Nipsey and I want to do that for my art. I want to do that with my art. I wanna, I wanna. I've been in control of it for a long time, and I want to sort of stay in control of it.
0: I think the first time we we spoke at length, it was here. Um, was it? I think it was here. I think you had a studio here. Yeah, I did. And that was the first time that you and I actually like spoke like over some time. Came by. And now, in here, for those who are listening, we're at Atlanta Contemporary. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you had a studio here, and and I remember you said something to me about going back to Alabama, um, and maybe, and you'll have to you'll you'll correct me on this, but I think okay. you said you would you would talk to your dad about something, and then maybe you destroyed a lot of your work after a certain conversation with your with your dad, or before or, or after that, but some something led you to. Take whatever you had done up to that point Oh And you destroyed a lot of your work As a, a, a cleanse Or you were doing something in that moment
1: That was a moment I know, I know what you're talking about um, That was around um, 2008 two, 2007 2000, mm-hmm. 2007 2008. Um, I was getting ready for a show And a week before the show I destroyed all the work that I had been working months on to, to make because there was, um, I think this is the story, mm-hmm. because, because there was um, a blues song that came on the radio and um, I just felt like the song was talking to me because I, at the time I was working in collaboration with um, John Tindall and we were doing the Tindall Meachy stuff and this was a Tindall Michi show. But this was also a show to where we were gonna to do a collaborative show, but of our own works, you know what I mean? And um, so he was gonna make the work that he was gonna make it on one side of the gallery. I was gonna make the work that I was gonna make it on the other side of the gallery. Then we call it the collaboration, um, the Tendomichi. But what ended up happening was, is that I, we we had both realized very early on that at some point we would have to um, stop making work together, and then it got to be too easy for us to make the works without each other. Like, I could do Tyndall stuff, and he could do my parts. So once we realized that, we, we began to have these conversations about making our work, like, and taking a break and doing all these things. Um, and the week before that show I just trashed everything that I've been working for months on and said to myself okay whatever I find outside on the loading dock is what I'll make but that blues song that was playing that triggered it all was basically saying you better go home and I took that to mean that I needed to make work that was familiar with home that was familiar with with the things that I'd grown up seeing in, in an environment that I grew, grew up seeing it, and so that for me, that work was like the Lonnie Hollies, it was like the thorn dials, it was like the the folk work and the bill trailer style work because then I began to realize that there was a lineage of making when we talk about sort of the outsider artist or the folk artist, which then becomes contemporary art. And so I, I begin to think about myself as uh, in between Thornton Dow and Rauschenberg. And, like, so what does that look like? So that, that's been one of the big questions, in, like, in my career. But, but I think that's the story that you're talking about.
0: That is the story, and I think I thought about that when you, you mentioned um – having people who have to go to Alabama to get the to get you know the the, the work and speaking about Nipsey Hustle, but thinking about home for you and what that represents and also how I feel like you're you're in Atlanta and you've been for a long time but I think also you've created some sense of home in this space totally. you know to the best of your ability Um, and Uh, and you know, from the garden to fishing and everything. I mean, I feel like yeah. you, you've, you've brought a lot of that here, Um, and I think your work kind of still kind of is in that place, even though you're in this place physically.
1: Yeah. Well, my 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 sort of thought.
0: Your thought, right?
1: My thought is is in the environment, like sort of of this aesthetic of southernisms, and but. The work itself is very worldly, it's very contemporary, mm-hmm. but but then there's also a part of me that doesn't want to deny a part of me or or where I come from or the possibility of where I can go mm-hmm. with this work. Um dude, yeah, I, I really have tried to 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 sort of make this I guess it's like an imagined landscape or or an imagined environment in Atlanta like the things that I grew up doing I've I've tried to create them or find them here and still participate and be a part of that old part of me and and bring that with the new part of me or or the new or the, the growth of me um I think that's very important. Like the the garden thing was the thing that my mom and father did. I didn't know what, you know, like a lot of store-bought stuff tasted like until I moved out of their house, like jellies and pickles. And it was easy to go out in the backyard and get a salad if I wanted. It was easy to go get vegetables if I wanted. Um, So I still wanted that experience in my life here. I still wanted to be able to have that feeling of being able to walk into the backyard and get some food, you know what I mean? But then too, like, the smell of making pickles is something like I, like I associate with my mother, and then like the, the, the act of doing the gardening is something I associate with my father. The, the act of fishing is um, something like a memory with one of my uncles, Uncle James, and then all the hunting and gun stuff was like my uncle, my, my my dad's brothers, my uncle John and my uncle Albert. And so it's me in a lot of ways trying to continue these lives or these lessons of these people and using them as influence in my life here. And um, I mean, some and like even if you go into like my studio there, so. Um, like the uh funeral programs of those who passed away. And so I keep those as a reminder, like to sort of stay grounded. Like, this is who you are, these other are men before you. Who are you gonna be into the future? And how are you gonna carry these people or those memories into the future of, of who you can become? So I I think I think that um the Alabama part of me is, is very important, but then the Atlanta part of me is is the growth part, is the part that's that that allowed the kid from Alabama who was dreaming of coming to a big city to be this thing, like Atlanta has allowed me to do that in a certain way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you mentioned Lonnie Holley earlier. Yeah. Um, and I think given how you place yourself in between these places, um, Alabama, Atlanta, um, generationally between you know the men in your family and women in your family, uh-huh. and what happens you know going forward uh-huh. And going back to, to Lonnie, and I, I thought about this before we even had this conversation. I, I feel like Lonnie and, and you also um, have I think you all are like are like seers. I think there, there's a certain certain people have this gift of, of sight to, to to see things to oh, that's Lonnie for sure. To be transmitters of things, to be portals of things. Um and I, I think you're in that same vein. Oh amazing. Um but <laughs> but, but but definitely I, th- I think you and Lonnie share that. Um because I, I I've always felt that that you've been in some of the work that I've heard and seen of yours always trying to tap into something to like mm-hmm. tap into this frequency that maybe, you know, that <laughs> is present but maybe is not always easily accessed, you know, um, a- a- um accessed. But yeah. but I say that to say, um for you, what what is your process of maybe trying to like present yourself to tap into those frequencies?
1: That's a crazy compliment, but Lonnie, for me he is like he is like a i don't know what frequency the brothers are like even like I remember seeing like newspaper articles and magazine articles about Lonnie and his story, and like I would drive past the airport in Birmingham coming to Atlanta to visit my brother or whatever. And I would always try to see like, well, where's this guy live? You know, like he was like this mystery to me, but, but there was, there was one time I heard a thing, um, or I read it, where he was talking about 50,000 years of preservation. And I was like, what? And he was saying that he would make a piece and then throw it over the river into the river and then in 50,000 years when people, when the rivers dried out people would discover these works of art and they would be there. Like as someone existed this happened this is what the work that they made and the thought in that I was like okay dude is obviously thinking well beyond his living life. And when you talk about 50,000 years of preservation, like, we're going if we go backwards, that's dinosaur era kind of shit. Like, so in a way, I begin to think about, from that, I begin to think about, like, well, what does, that mean to me and then what do I leave behind and at the time I was real into street art and graffiti and all that stuff and so I began to think about that as, as like sort of this future primitive sort of mark making like these were the, the language of these people it was this colorful like graffiti like this language so it's like when they um, turn down buildings in New York and you see a Warhol not a Warhol but a Keith Herring and a Basquiat and it's Fab Five Freddy, like whatever that wall was that they found, it's like, okay, that's from the 80s to the 2000s, so like, can I secretly write onto walls and do, so I began to think about it like that, all because of Lonnie. But for me, like to to get into that space, takes a lot of plant material, (laughs) but, I think is 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 believing in the, in the in the in the 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 power of the black brain to imagine a space outside of self and then i guess they call it astral traveling or projection into a future which i think that black people have always had the ability to do that when and, and then we learn about the dogon and the knowledge that they have and were able to sort of tell the european long before the telescope long before the european even came to 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 discover them or see them or study them or learn about them they were already talking about these future projections they were already talking about these 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 uh bodies in space and so but then when you think about the language of freedom and and how that relates to black people i think that there's always been this projection into the future like the like the thing about wakanda that that's not so so impressive for me is that we, we we've always been futuristic like it's now that we get to see ourselves play out in, in futurisms but when you think about this if we start at the dogon and and we move forward, you know what I mean? Even the the captured of us, they go into a future, an an unknown. So you you get captured, boom, you're taken to a place, boom. Now you're at an unknown, which is the future. And then in that space, you create a whole new culture, a whole new language, a whole new way of, of doing or, and being, so to me that that becomes an inventiveness, and then that can translate all the way into the the, the language of freedom. Like um, Martin Luther King is, he he tells you, he says, "I've been to the mountaintop, and and he's seen over, and you haven't seen it, but trust me, it's there." You know, so we we that that's into a, a future when you, and when you think about the the, um, the negro spiritual um was it first recorded at fisk I think it was fisk um, sw- uh, swing down, swing low, sweet chariot, and it's coming to take you somewhere mm. and that where it's taking you is into a future you, you think about the things um I had this thought when I was um, um I was when I was out west camping. It's like, how did Africans know, in a new world, to look at the North Star, and to go towards that? And it's like, wait a minute, they were already looking at the stars. They were already having these conversations about the stars. And. If you're transported into a new place, the sky is still the same. Right. So that that GPS, that technology of looking at the stars and being able to read that GPS, that technology is still there. So you, you're able to go north into a future. Fable, you were seeing spaceships on Bankhead. Yes, indeed. Um, indeed. George Clinton, mm-hmm. he landed the, the mothership. You know, it's like all these things. Like, like people have always been in these sort of futuristic situations. But I think, like, it's people like Lonnie that remind us that what preservation is and what a future is, a future voice or a future object or a future thing. I, I, think, it's, I think that's one of the things I admire about Lonnie is, 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 is reading that... And then seeing the work and knowing his intention onto the work, yeah, it's about right now. But it's about long, long, long after he's gone. You know what I'm saying? So, so I begin to think about work like that too.
0: And and and, and I, I, and you I ask you that because it was it was apparent. Like when I saw the piece that was on this wall right here mm-hmm. behind us, um, mm-hmm. if. There's images on it uh, for those who listen. You can search it up. Um,
1: yeah, before we blast off.
0: Yeah, I, I looked when I first came and saw this piece. I instantly said, "Okay, that's Michi's work." But then I, the, the second thought I had was, he's trying to communicate with somebody or some things. I just don't know what it is yet. But oh, yeah. like, but like I can I can see like there's something communicative about this where he's trying to take us somewhere or get somewhere.
1: That one was the very first one at that scale. And that one, if, if you go back and look at it, it, it exists as a Congo Cosmogram, which is a tool mm. of communication. If you go back and look at it, there's a Congo Cosmogram drawn right smack in the middle of it. Mm. And there's a dividing line between the, the living and the dead. And so so it was this work where I was right here right now, trying to communicate past and present and then into a future, so that's a good read on your part
0: um, well it I felt something i felt I felt something definitely um what what excites you like like I mean in, in terms of just like a, a momentary Get in the car Or when you Get up in the morning Or whatever Like what What excites you?
1: That's a question I've been asking myself Lately, Floyd Like I'm Lately I've been wondering If I'm out of ideas And could I deal with it If I was And then I've been asking myself, are you inspired? Like do you even care anymore? And if you do, then what does that mean? And then if you don't, what do you do next? Right? So I I've, I've been I've, I've been searching for inspiration. I've been looking for things that excite me. It's like I'm I don't know that I'm super stoked right now. But there's something about trying to buy this rare Jimi Hendrix record that's, like, real exciting because it's very expensive, for one, and I'm trying to get it for cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something very exciting about that, and pr- probably why I'm looking at Jimi Hendrix a lot is, is because I think my next is a work, want to, um, I want to use Jimi Hendrix as the sort of catalyst. I think that when, when, when Jimmy is, you know, he's playing with all his bands, and everybody's firing him, and he's like, you know, he's got this thing, he's got this talent. And then, lo and behold, it comes this little girl who's like, you know, or a woman, It's all infatuated with Jimmy, and it's like, you know, you should come see this guy play. And so, you know, they go see the guy play. And, and, And there's an interview with her, and the way that she describes, like, first seeing Jimmy, and the way he plays the guitar, and the way he holds the guitar, and the way his hands move. It's like something really sensual about Jimi Hendrix, but then the moment that I'm more interested in or I'm super excited about is when he goes overseas and he plays with Eric Clapton and at that moment Eric Clapton is God, that's what they're calling him and you know you even see the graffiti from that time point it says Clapton is God and then here comes this kid from New York He's playing the guitar all wrong, upside down and backwards, left-handed, playing a right handers guitar, and it's all strung, oddly, you know, it, but at that moment, like, I would love to be at that moment when he first plugs in and hits the, the string, because for me, that signals a change in black creativity, like Jimi Hendrix was this sort of like portal that opened up to the possibilities of black creativity. And so like I'm really excited about that right now of of um, thinking about that moment, dreaming up that moment and what that moment must have been like for Eric Clapton to be influenced by blues and to play these blues, become very good at playing blues. And all them boys over there in the UK and London and England playing blues but never coming in direct contact of its descendant, which is Jimi Hendrix. And it must have sucked to have the real thing walk in to your karaoke. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like so I'm very interested in that moment when Jimi Hendrix sort of severs the head of God, and then that portal for black creativity opens up to all the weird black shit that we have now. Even kids now, like they're just extensions of Jimi. Like that's that's how I see it. Like so, so I'm really excited about that. Um, other than that, man, boxing. I'm I'm really ex- like the fights are tomorrow night, um Anthony Joshua and uh Joseph Parker, two undefeated heavyweights. Um and I find a lot of my 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 um drive for making work relates to the idea of boxing, like the training and then the fighting and it's just a you kind of sport, so you have to be motivated and it's it's um I think that that's how art practice is, is that you have to be motivated. Like, none of this happens without you, your work ethic. Like, you coming here, setting up the equipment, making the calls, getting the, like, that's just you. Like, none of these ideas or none of this stuff happens um, without your individual eth- eff- effort. So so I'm really excited about boxing and, and thinking about it in, in that sort of way. I've I've always been a big fan of boxing, but I I'm I'm excited to wager money on it now. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm getting a lot of bets together to see how I wanna like do straight bets or parlays or or um pick rounds, you know, so it's something about taking that risk or that gamble that's exciting right now. But I think that relates to my art practice again because if you don't take the chance to to make the work and then exhibit the work, then none of it ever happens. So they say, scare money, don't make money. So right. I, I, I put aside a hundred bucks to gamble to see if I could double that or triple that or keep it, you know what I mean, it's, it's so I'm, I'm really excited about that, and thinking about that in terms of my studio practice, but other, other than that, man, it's, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard, and then you just don't have, you don't have no idea, sometimes you just need to take a trip, or go fishing, or, or don't do anything, or, or have a conversation with a guy like you, who can force that conversation you know what I mean like so now when I leave here it's like damn like well what am I inspired by you know so you you by doing this it, in some ways it's like a therapy too you know I don't know some, sometimes it, I just don't have ideas like I, I don't know what's going on clueless is clueless is fucked <laughs> like I mean I'm just I'm just being very honest it's like I Sometimes I don't have ideas, or you have ideas and they're not good; they they suck. You just have to admit that. Like, there's a lot of failure going on right now. (laughs) Like in my studio, there's a lot of failure. Like, a lot of um, not I'm not sure. Yeah, this this about like that trumpet.
0: Um Michi Miko. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, man. Like yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, check this out, Jimmy Hendrix. You gotta play this on the podcast, Astro Traveler.
0: Okay. Play it. me the um send me the link to that
1: that's what they got is all black band really caught some buddy miles man but there's points in here wait there's points in there where they just leave